The anointing will be upon you all. Genesis chapter 26 and Luke chapter 5. Hallelujah. 26 verse 1. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt. Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of. Sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee, and will bless thee. For unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give thy, unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Which is important. That's the very line that God finished with in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3. It passes from Abraham to his son Isaac, and then of course to Jacob. Because that Abraham, I get this, because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge and commandments, my statutes, and my laws. Verse 6, and Isaac dwelt in Gerar. And then down to verse 12, then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. And the man waxed great and went forward and grew, and he became very great. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and great store of servants, and the Philistines envied him. Hallelujah. There's always envy in the world upon the people that God blesses. That's just the way it is. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Help us, O oh Lord, to follow after you in obeying your voice. And help us, O oh Lord God, to incline our ears to it, that we may benefit from it, be led by it, and be blessed by obeying it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Let the, let the church say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, I didn't want to read the next segment of Scripture. While you're still standing, I want to read it. So let's turn there together in Luke chapter 5, uh, verse uh, 1 through 11. This is a familiar portion of Scripture where uh, Jesus comes to preach from Peter's fishing boat. And uh, get the context in chapter 5, verse 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, Jesus that is, to hear the word of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing uh, their nets. And it goes on to say in verse 3, And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, that's Simon Peter's, and prayed him or asked him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Hmm. Wonder if I can get a chair. Maybe I would just sit. No, I'm just kidding. Hallelujah. Just sit down and teach if it would be acceptable. He sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, master, we've toiled all the night. 
and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, everybody say, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had uh, this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ships, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, that the draught of the fishes which he had taken, which they had taken, and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. I want to focus your attention from this entire segment uh, unto uh, verse uh, 5. When Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. I want to speak to you a little bit tonight on the subject of following the voice of God following the voice of God. And I will go back and begin with Isaac because really the concept of listening to the voice of God is something not specifically particular to the New Testament. It is something that is relevant from Genesis to Revelation. It's from the beginning to the end. It's from the first book to the last book. God wants to speak to his people and God wants to talk to you and I. It did not stop once the Bible was completed and all of the books were compiled into one book. God continues to speak in a very clear voice if we would just take the time to listen to it and to follow his obey and obey and follow his commands. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. So as we look at Genesis 26 again, beginning in the Old Testament, I'll bring it back up into the New I'm looking at the story of Isaac, a very, very uh, familiar story. And uh, his life, as you know, is very familiar with Abraham's. Uh, and the lessons that we learn from them and the lesson from the life of uh, Peter is also ours to learn. Uh, in the setting of Genesis 26, we see how that uh, Isaac is really very much uh, a reflection of the life of his father, Abraham. There are a lot of similarities between the two of them. Abraham had to leave his birthplace. So did Isaac. The Philistines were envious of Abraham. They were also envious of Isaac. Abraham remained childless for a long time. So was Isaac. Abraham had one righteous son and one wicked son. So did Isaac. And finally, Abraham was tested with famine. So was Isaac. And that's where we pick up in chapter 26. But interestingly, as I think you also see in our own lives in the 21st century, that the lives of our children uh, also reflect ours in many ways. For good or for bad, for better or, or good, uh, they, 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 they always reflect ours as well. And, and Isaac had to learn many of the same lessons that his father had to learn. 
And the same is true for us. Abraham left some markers behind for his children. I'm talking about the digging of wells and the building of altars. It's good for us to leave some markers, spiritual markers behind for our children. The word of God, the name of God, the building of the altars in prayer and the word of God that we follow as we, hallelujah, dig our wells of of salvation. But what a great example this is for us as parents today. Uh, leaving some markers for success and some victories and, and telling our children about the testimonies uh, that God gave us, about the victories, the deliverances, uh, how God has delivered us so many times uh, from so many uh, dangers and from so many needs. But until this famine, Isaac's life was just as, as, as similar to, to his father Abraham's uh, as could be. And really this famine is what began to change the pace. It, it began to change uh, the similarity between the life of Abraham and Isaac. It was this famine that set him apart from his dad. Hallelujah. Uh, when the famine came in Abraham's day, uh, he went down to Egypt and so did Hagar. Isaac was about to do the same thing. However, this time God spoke to Isaac and said, don't you do it. I want you to, I don't want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to stay right where you are. And I'm sure the thought came to Isaac was so well, look, Lord, I think, you know, what kind of situation I'm in. There's a famine in the land. There's a drought. It's not a good time to plant. I don't know how I'm going to feed my cattle. I don't know how I'm going to sustain my family. I don't know how I'm going to maintain my wealth. And he thought maybe the best place for me would be to do just exactly what my father Abraham did. After all, he was a man of faith and he went down to Egypt and God said, don't you do it. I'm speaking to you. I'm speaking to you, not like I did Abraham. He asked, as far as I'm concerned, I'm ad-libbing here, but I'm telling you, don't go down to Egypt. Dwell in the land which I tell thee of. And sojourn in this land, I will be with thee and I will bless thee for unto thee under thy seed. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. And so God admonished him not to go back, no, go down to Egypt. And he didn't. See, we have to understand beginning right here too that God wants to speak to his people. He wants you and I to know that uh, his voice uh, is important in our lives uh, if we would just listen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, there's no uh, formula of, of, of living out our faith except that we follow the voice of God. God wants us to depend on that voice. And when I look at the New Testament in Luke, rather, John chapter 5, verse 24 and 25, Jesus said this, Verily I say unto you, he that heareth my word, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the son of God and they that hear shall live. Now, some would say that this would refer to the rapture, and I would agree with you, but that's not all that it's talking about. You see, in order for us to make it in the rapture, we have to continue to stay alive spiritually until his coming. 
We need to be full of the Spirit. We need to be faithful in following his commands and his, and his voice and his instructions for your life and for mine. That's why the very first line in verse 24 of John 5, verse 24, it says, He that heareth my word. Now notice in the King James, whenever there is a T-H there, an E-T-H, hears. That's not just hear, but heareth. It means to hear and continues to do so. There's a continuum there. It, it is never ending, which means God is continuing to speak to his people. God wants to continue you to talk to you and to speak to you if you would but hear his voice and learn the, the quality and learn the tone and, and learn his voice. Elijah had to do that. Remember when God put him in the cave and, and he came in various forms, uh, amen, to reveal himself. But the Bible says that he wasn't in the whirlwind and he wasn't in the earthquake. Uh, amen, he wasn't in any of those things, but he was in that still, small, quiet voice. He was fasting and praying and, and he already knew the voice of God and yet God had to remind him because we forget because we have too many other voices in our minds and our hearts. And really, he, you know how he ended up in that cave? He ended up in that cave by beginning to listen to the wrong voice. He ended up in there after the great victory uh, on Mount Carmel and 450 prophets of Baal were killed and many other false prophets were killed and Israel had a great revival and, Je and Jezebel, Ahab's wife, got a hold of that news and sent a letter, a message to uh, uh, Elijah and said, oh, God, do the gods do more so to me, amen, that, that you did to those uh, prophets of mine if by this time tomorrow night you don't end up the same way, deader than a doornail. And because the prophet of God the man of God listened to the wrong voice. He tucked tail and ended up in a cave. See how important it is for you and I to listen to the right voice? And if we quit listening to the voice of God and start listening to every kind of voice on the internet and on Facebook and on TV, amen, on the politicians, amen, on ungodly people, amen, you're going to end up in a cave with your head buried in the sand and saying, oh my God, the, 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 the sky is falling. There's no way out. What's going to happen? I'm going to go on some desert island someplace and hide away from all this evil. No, no, no. You're listening to the wrong voice. We've got to shut out all these false voices and not up in, the, in a cave. We need to focus on the word of God. Amen. You ever notice how a child, even a babe, learns to recognize his mother's voice? And I watched that with my youngest one more than any. Amen. I had more time with this youngest one than, than my own and some other grandkids. Hallelujah. But I watched how in the first six months, as, as Amy was, was, you know, nursing and, and cherishing that, that child, holding him close. And, and, and that, that little boy, I tell you, he learned her voice. And very early on, several months on, when she would call on the cell phone, and she would be on the speaker, and, and he would hear her voice. He'd go, he'd light up. He wasn't very old. He didn't even know how to talk. Yet he recognized the voice. And how did she? I'll tell you why. Because for weeks on end, every day, that mama would talk to her and him. 
Amy would talk to him, cuddle him. And that's, that's, that's the way we need to be with God, especially when we first saved. I don't know about you, but when I first got saved, amen, I was listening to the voice. I took this word, I'm telling you, I ate and drank and slept this book, particularly the first six months and up to the first three years. I did nothing but read this word. Oh, it was so precious. I still remember how it burned in my heart. It was an incredible time in the Lord. I learned a lot in that first six months to three years. But that's how it is, and it should be in our walk with God. We should dedicate time to listening to his voice, reading the word. You'll find that many times he'll speak to you things beyond this word. As you're reading the word, he'll, he'll say some things and illuminate some things that are, not, that are not in the word. I talked about this before. Yeah, hallelujah. That, that God will say things uh, sometimes that's not in the word, but he'll never be contrary to the word. Never be contrary to the word. Amen. Amen. And so, so, so we see from the very beginning, we, you look at God talked to Adam, God talked to Cain, he spoke to Enoch, he talked to Noah, he gave, talked to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and he talked to Moses and Samuel and the prophets and David and Solomon as kings uh, in visions, and he talked to them openly. God talks to his people. And when God spoke to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, mind you, there was no Bible to cross-reference any of the promises and the will of God. That was only the voice of God. Hallelujah. But God didn't stop speaking to his people after this Bible was written and compiled. Hallelujah. And so if we just listen to his voice, God can bless us in the most unlikely places, in the most unlikely situations. And that's why it's important, especially now, folks, in this 21st century, especially as where we are today in 2022, going to 2023. We are in the last days. And as Paul said, the apostle in uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1, you know, in the last days, perilous times shall come. No doubt. We're living in perilous times. But we just have to follow the voice of God. And if we follow the voice of God, we can be blessed in a time of fear, in a time of famine, in a, tri in, in a time of, of corruption, a time of deception. We can be blessed. We can prosper like Isaac did. And I'm not saying that just to, because we want to be prosperous. No, it, it, it prosperity with us, you know, it, 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 mean, it can mean different things to different people. But from a biblical context, it is peace. It is joy. It is a right standing with God. Those are the most important things with respect to the, us living in the kingdom. But having that peace and the joy when everybody's wringing their hands, don't know what to do. And we're looking with joy to what, what's coming. We understand what's coming, but we know our final end. We're going to a better place than this. And that, that expectation is real, and, that, and that, that picture of what is coming is real. And so our hope cannot be in this world below. It's got to be in the one beyond. Why? Because Jesus already described to us what it's going to be like. And his resurrection proves that there's life after death. He, he shows us exactly what we're going to be like. That ought to give us great encouragement and faith and joy. Hallelujah. If it doesn't, it means we're probably holding on to some things down here a little bit too tight. 
And, you know, we're, we're living a little too close to this ball of mud instead of that heavenly city. And so we have to take stock and make sure that we're drawn by the right things and that we're listening especially to the right voices. You'll find that when you're listening to the wrong voices, that's when you begin to, you know, to focus on the things of this world and not the things above. I think that's exactly why Paul wrote in Colossians 3, 1, you know, dude, if we've been born from above, then, then let's, put our, let's set our affections on things above and not here below on the earth. And we choose to do that. We have to choose where we set our affection. And we have the ability to do so. And the Bible expects us to set it on the right things. But listening to the voice of God is so important. And if we listen to his voice, then God can bless us in the most difficult, the most unlikely, most unusual places and situations. God told Isaac to stay right there in Gerar. Mr. Famine, in the middle of bad people, Philistines. Uh, it was a place of, of contention. And, and, uh, and God said, no, stay where you are. I'll bless you. Hallelujah. Yeah, we may be in Illinois, and I know taxes are high. I went Monday night, had to you know, accompany my son and, and their daughter. We followed them home, and we came right back. A six-hour trip, three over there, three back. Praise God, had to fill up with gas. And I was just so sad. I filled up for three, $3.03 over there, and I come over here, and it's four ninety-nine. Hallelujah. A lot of people are you know, moving out of Illinois. But, but, and I'm not, you know what? I'm not moving out of Illinois just for that. I'm not moving. I'm hearing the voice. You know why I'm here? I'm here because God called me here. Now, you do what you want to. I mean, if God speaks to you, go ahead and go. But if God doesn't speak to you, you better stay where you are. Hallelujah. I mean, I know the voice of God when he, when he told me a lot of things. I, you know, God told me that, that, my wife, that Dory's going to be my wife before she ever was my wife. I wrote down the words of my Bibles. I got the word, the promise right there in the back building. When we, the men had foot washing here. The ladies had it over here. And I came and told Brother Switzer, Sister Switzer. And Brother Switzer wouldn't say yes or no. He said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? It's good to tell your, your, your spiritual authority. And us as, as spiritual authorities, as pastors, we don't always know what to make of it. We do like, we do like, 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 like Jesus' mother Mary, where she put those things away in her and pondered those things and waited until they came to pass to the CEA and A. Well, here she is 43 years later. Hallelujah. God told me that. I know when God called me to preach. I know when God told me to come back to Belleville and resign my commission to foreign missions. I'm here because of the voice of God. I'm going to continue to follow the voice of God. And I'm going to be here until the voice of God says no more. Hallelujah. But when it's time, it's time. And I will, I will do what God wants me to do. But in the meantime, I'm not looking on the famine. I'm not looking at just, I'm, I am looking at the gas prices just like you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now I'm looking at my energy bill going up. I said, Lord, why here? You know? <sighs> but you know what? God's been good to, be, good to me in Illinois. 
found my wife in Illinois. My children were born here in Illinois. God called me to preach in Illinois. This is my church home. It's the longest place I've ever lived in my life. I've been all over the world. 11 years here, then 14 years in mission field back, and, and, and then, then back here now for 22 years. I'm going on 23 years back in Bell. That's a total of, what is it, 11 and, and 22, 33 years total in this place? That's a long time. This is my home. I've got a network here. I've got a good mechanic that I've been going to free here. <laughs> my insurance, car insurance person has been mine for since 1976. That's a long time. You know, I mean, you got some, you got some roots, you got some stakes. You know, I, you know, maybe I should, I, I mean, I talk too much sometimes. I don't, I do, no, no, I know, and it's already ten, nine, almost 10 after 8. But the thing is, there's, you know, I look around, there's some things I thought, oh, wouldn't it be nice? And I come right back to, mm-mm. Not unless I hear something from God. Not until I hear something from God. And so, I know that God didn't stop speaking. And we see that whenever God's people obey, that he blesses. God provided for Elijah. When he followed his voice and obeyed. In his time of famine, he's led. God provided for him. Whether it's by the brook Cherith or Zarephath, the widow, God provided for him. Praise God. I know people often run from famine and different hardship because they've not received the word from God. And I'm just simply not running. Praise God. We need to learn to sow seed in a time of famine like, like Isaac did. If God tells you to, to, to stay in a place, don't look around you. Just act in faith or look in faith. Hallelujah. Praise God. We're not in the best of conditions, but you know what? Uh, the people of God never wait for the best of, of conditions to do something for God. Uh, it, it probably wasn't the best of conditions for us to buy the property next to this church or across the street. Amen. And to have, you know, a debt. Now, we're about halfway done with paying off that debt, that, that debt which is outstanding. But we bought that in faith. That somehow it would, it would serve the purpose of either building expansion and just building a new church altogether. And when we pay these off... All the funds coming from the rents from this can go directly into a church building program. See, and that's, that's incredible income going to that. And, uh, and, and so we did that not because it was the best conditions and the most ideal conditions economically to do so. But we did it in faith. We're sowing in faith. And we're following the voice of God. And when God says to build, we'll build. If God says to move, we'll move from this place. In the meantime, we're in an ideal and strategic location. Yeah, don't you see all the drunks going up and down the street? Yeah, I do. 
Hallelujah. I'm seeing potential souls to be converted. Hallelujah. There is a revival to be had in Belleville. There are 45,000 plus people in this city. Mount Shiloh is 14,000. And Swansea, I don't know how many more. There's more people coming in. There are more apartment complexes being built. All I'm saying is somehow somebody has to be around to preach the gospel to them. And sometimes you just got to ignore the facts. Because facts don't always tell the truth. I mean, I, biblically, I know when you look at the Bible, there are some things that are in, in, indeed, you know, truthful. I mean, Israel, when they left Egypt, indeed was weaker than Egypt. And yes, Pharaoh had more chariots and had an army, and Israel didn't. And from a logical standpoint, uh, Israel stood to be wiped out by the Egyptian army. Yes, it's the fact that Bartimaeus was blind until Jesus said something. Hallelujah. Until Jesus healed him. It's true. It's a fact that there was no cure for leprosy back then. There's no cure for leprosy today as far as I know. But there's an answer to it. When God says the word, when God touches them, it changes the facts. So it doesn't matter what the facts reveal. God can change all that. It's a fact that Lazarus was in the grave for four days. And four days later, that person who should have been dead once and for all came out of that grave walking. Jesus changed the facts. So the fact is that sometimes we've got to ignore the facts. And we've got to have faith in the word of God as he speaks it to us. When Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. It was that spoken voice. It was that word that changed the fact of his death. As the same way with you and I, no matter what you and I are facing, no matter what you are in, what you find yourself in, the voice of God can change your situation in a moment's time. And even though all the facts point, that, point to the fact that, 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 that you are in the wrong place at the wrong time, but if, if you know that you're in the will of God, that changes everything. God will take care of you. Listen to his voice and he will bless. And we need to act in faith and learn to sow seeds in desperate times. Genesis 26, 12 says that Isaac sowed in the land. How much faith did that take? Can you imagine that? It's bone dry and he's taking seed that he could have used to make bread. He took that seed and... Every handful of seed, he could have been saying, oh man, what a waste. But I don't think he did. But people of fear without faith would say, oh, man, I, I, I shouldn't be doing this. Man, I shouldn't be paying my tithes now. I shouldn't be giving an offering now. No money is tight. Oh, hallelujah. Isaac just kept on sowing. He kept on sowing. Why? Because God said, stay in the land. And because he stayed and he followed and obeyed the voice of the Lord, looked down, hallelujah, 
in verse uh, 12, the rest of it says, and then Isaac sowed in that land and received the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And he was, it didn't stop there. And he says, and the man waxed great and went forward. Not backward. He went forward and grew until he became very great. You see how important it is to hear the voice of God and to obey it? It doesn't depend on your circumstance or your situation. It depends on the voice of God and your faith in it. And mine. And when, when times get rough and tough, we need to hear from God. In these situations more than ever before, make sure you hear from God. If you want to hear God's voice, shut off all this excess noise. You've got to focus on him. Imagine carrying on a, a, a relationship with your husband and your wife or your children, and you've got the TV on, the radio on, you've got your earphone, you know, ear, earbuds on or whatever you call them, hallelujah, and you've got noise coming through all of them. Can you really, really give your undivided attention to the person you're trying to focus on and have a relationship with? You can't. I'm just using these, these radical contrasts to focus on the importance of us Locking, locking in on that wavelength that God is speaking to you on and to close out all other noise because God wants to speak to you and bless you. All because Isaac heard from the word of the Lord and believed that God blessed him. In fact, when you go to Genesis 26, 28, the Bible shows us how the Philistines saw how God blessed Isaac, and they came to make peace with him. So, man, we don't know what you're doing, but we know there's the God with you. We want to make peace because any man that is blessed like that from God, we, we want to be on good terms with. And God blessed him so that even his enemies were at peace with him. Matthew 13, 23, Jesus talked about a parable in the good ground, and he said in verse 23, but he that received seed unto the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirtyfold. He that heareth and understands. You know, it's one thing to hear, you know, it's another thing to understand. And you have to take time, not only here, but to try to understand what God is really ta talking to you. You have to ponder it. You have to meditate on it. It takes time. And unfortunately, we're such a fast-paced life that, that we don't want to take the time. Um, and so I would caution you uh, to slow down and, and spend some time with the Lord. Focus on his voice. And I'm coming to a close. Can you believe that? <laughs> God speaks to his people. Um, I was thinking about some places in the New Testament to bring this point out. And, 
And I began with Acts. I always begin with Acts because obviously it's the beginning of the New Testament. And I always look for biblical examples. And, and I dug through this just this afternoon. And I saw where obviously the word and a vision came to Peter in Acts chapter 10. Very interesting encounter as, you know, was the time when uh, Cornelius, the first Gentile, got a visitation from an angel and, and the word came from God to send for Peter. Well, God had to deal with Peter at the same time in Joppa where he was, you know, at some other place in uh, Simon Tanner's house. And, and you know the story how that God uh, began to deal with him. He came down them. I just read a few verses in chapter 10, verse 9. I didn't tell you this, Cale, I'm sorry. But chapter 10, verse 9 says, On the morrow as they went on their journey and drew nigh into the city, Peter went upon a house stop to pray about the sixth hour. It's about noon. And he became very hungry. And he would have eaten. Now imagine, that's noon. It's lunch hour. But the Bible goes on to say, specifically, he became very hungry. Why is that? Well, because it, 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 it is, uh, it, it's connected to um, the next few verses where uh, he sees a vision and the heaven is opened and uh, a certain vessel descending unto him. And it had been a great, as it had been a great sheet knit at four corners and let it down to the earth. There were the all manner of four-footed beasts of the earth, verse 12, and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. Now, I think this is why the Bible says Peter was so very hungry. Because, you know, when you're starving and you're famished, you don't care what it is. Well, most of the time, you don't. The Bible says that the full soul loathes a honeycomb, but to the hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Meaning, if it's, if it's bitter, if you're hungry, man, you're going to eat it. And I think this hunger was very intense that Peter experienced. And when God let that sheet down in a vision with all these unclean beasts, all these things that as a Jew he were, was not permitted to eat, he was trying to get him. Eat, Peter says, I don't care if it kills me. I'm famished, but I'm not going to eat that. Imagine how strong his conviction of tradition was. Imagine what a great barrier he had to, to overcome and what strongholds of the mind he had to tear down to bring it to the obedience of Christ. Tradition is powerful, especially when it's rooted in the word of God. And so he heard the voice. He saw a vision. What I'm saying is God spoke to him out of heaven with a voice and a vision. And that's New Testament. It wasn't Moses and the old with the burning bush and the voice from the midst of the bush. No, no. It was to Peter on top of a house. God speaks to his people. And then we see that, uh, that he says nothing about this vision. In fact, he doesn't say anything to Cornelius of his house. He never affirms this vision experience yet, except he affirms the voice, that he heard a voice that God showed him, that whatever he cleanses, let him not call uncommon or unclean. 
The only time he brings up the vision is when he goes back to chapter 11, he goes back to Jerusalem, and the Jewish leaders, Christians, but Jews at heart, uh, had objection, and they called him on a carpet. You went to a Gentile's house. That's when necessity laid it upon him, and he revealed the vision to them. And then Larry, of course, is revealed to us. But God speaks to us in a New Testament time, in visions and dreams and angels. In Acts chapter 13, interestingly, we're told uh, about the, the calling of, of Barnabas and, and Paul, or that is Saul at this point, to uh, missionary work. And it mentions now there was a church that was at Antioch, certain prophets and teachers. How about that? See, Sister Tremaine, teachers. Amen. These prophets and teachers, you know what they were doing? They were ministering unto the Lord. And they fasted. And the Holy Ghost said. The Holy Ghost said. The Spirit of Almighty God spoke. I would say through the prophets. One of them. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I called them. Now, you know, let me just throw this in for good measure. But the Trinitarians and those who would not separate or divide the word rightly would say, see, that's a scripture for the Trinity. He said, separate me into three persons. See, that, that's an example of, of not rightly dividing the word of truth. It's taking a scripture out of context. And what he's saying here is separate unto me. Barnabas and Saul for the work unto I called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed into Seleucia and from thence they sailed unto Cyprus. The voice of God is what called these two great missionaries on their first missionary journey that ended up being three missionary journeys for Paul. And in Acts chapter 16, we not only have uh, a, a voice, but it was a dream and a vision. And he, Paul also heard a voice in the middle of the night, you know, that seeing a man from Macedonia come over here and help us. And they say right away, straight away to go there. And they went, and you know what happened there in Acts chapter 16, the church of Philippi was established. And then the word and vision came, and an angel came to Paul in Acts chapter 27, verse 22 through 26 is when they were on that ship, he was being carried away as a prisoner to Rome, and that ship uh, loosed uh, from their uh, harbor uh, at really a terrible time. Paul warned them about what was going to come, uh, and they wouldn't listen to him, and there they were in that storm, and uh, there was, uh, in fact, neither sun nor stars, as it says in uh, Acts 27, 20, uh, for many days, and, and uh, there was a great tempest all around them and all hope that they would be saved was not taken away and after a long abstinence Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said sirs you know you should have listened to me <laughs> okay and then he said verse 23 for there stood, stood by me this night the angel of God whose I am and whom I serve saying fear not Paul thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, and, I, and for I believe God, that it shall be even as it was told me. Howbeit, we must be cast upon a certain island. Um, but notice, for there stood by me this night, 
the angel of God, whose I am and who I serve, saying. In that middle of that storm, there was an angelic manifestation, and the voice of God came, and nobody heard it and nobody saw it but Paul. See, we, there, there could be an angel here right now, and only one of you see it. In fact, I remember uh, up in Bethalto, I think Brother Brian was one. I think Brother Smith was the other. There were only two people that saw the angel in that, in that whole assembly. And they saw it with their naked eye. And yet nobody else had a clue. Brother Smith said, I see an angel in here. And Brother Brian looked back. Am I saying it right? And there in the back was a huge, tall angel, translucent and full of glory, standing in the back like a warrior. That's New Testament. And Paul not only had that, he had a voice also and a message with that voice. And he recognized it, and it was all he needed to have good cheer and comfort in saying, it doesn't matter if the whole ship that I'm in is smashed to smithereens. See, with that kind of manifestation, that kind of voice that you hear from God, the entire country can fall apart around you. And you'd be assured that no matter what, maybe you'll have a little piece of wood or something to cling on to to make it to the other side. This is why in this, this last hour, in the last days, hearing the voice of God is so very important. I want to hear the voice of God, don't you? Amen. So that gets me to the final event here in Luke chapter 5. And we began to, to, to read that earlier. And you know again the story. I won't read the whole thing again. Uh, but it's, uh, it's uh, Peter and his ship as Jesus was teaching and, and preaching. And, and, uh, and when he got done, now interestingly, here's Jesus preaching to a crowd. He's not, he's not preaching to Peter. But Peter's here continuing to wash his nets and he's listening. You know, a lot of times people are touched when you're speaking to somebody else. They are. Hallelujah. And, uh, and, and that's the way it was this time around. And, and uh, I don't know what Peter thought. All I, all I know is that, that he was listening. He had to be. I mean, what else do you do? Jesus is, is sitting in your boat, and he's teaching for an hour or two. I don't think he preached a 20-minute lesson, folks. I'm sorry. And when he got done, all right, Pete, let's go take a trip. Let's go fishing. Now, Peter could have said, you know, Lord, I'm tired. I, I, I just worked all night long. I pulled an 11 to 7. I'm beat. And, and I'm a fisherman. You're a carpenter. I think I know more about fishing than a carpenter. Uh, he could have, you know, said that everybody knows that fishing at night is a lot better than daytime. The fish just don't bite during the day. You got to, you know, do it at night. That's where the money's at. That's where the big, you know, big schools of fish are at. And besides, can't you say, we just washed all the nets. We just washed all the dishes. Do we got to go have another? And yet, Peter doesn't make any of those excuses. He just says, we toiled all night. Nevertheless. 
at thy word. At thy word. At thy word. With the stars and the sun and the moon were created. At thy word where the light was created. The first thing, hallelujah. At that word where, that is maintaining all the universe that is held together. At that word. Peter goes out. Nevertheless, at thy word. Stand with me if you would. In John chapter 10, Jesus says that his sheep hear his voice and a stranger will they not follow. In Amos 8, 11, we read, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land and not a famine of bread nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Hearing the voice of the Lord. A famine for the hearing of the voice of the Lord. I think there's a famine in this land of hearing the word because there's so much noise to drown it out. So many distractions. So much falsehood. So much deception. So much evil and corruption. Psalms 28.1, David the king writes this song. He says, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me. Why does he say that? Because he's used to hearing the voice of God. Where do you think he got all those psalms from? Where do you think he got the prophetic unction when he writes in Psalm 22, 1? My father, my father, why hast thou forsaken me? Unto thee I will cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if thou be silent to me, I become like them that go down into the pit. See, the people that are going downwards, the people that are going down towards hell and destruction, they can't hear the voice of God because they're not willing to listen for it. We have to be intentional to hear it. We have to draw near, the Bible says, and he'll draw an eye to us. Isaiah said it this way. In Isaiah 55, 3, the first three words are so important. Incline your ear. Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. Interestingly, that word incline, it literally means, you know, when you're trying to hear somebody, you, you lean into it. And this word incline in Hebrew not only means to lean into it, but it's, it's taking your hand upon your ear. And you know how you bend your ear? It means to lean in and bend your ears so you can really heal well. And God says, if you want to hear my voice, lean into it. Bend your ear. 
be intentional. Focus. Like somebody's really trying to hear what E.F. Hutton's trying to say. It's an old commercial. When E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. Remember that? I wish people would really put that to God. And when God speaks, everyone would listen. But they don't. Only those that have a heart for God and those that want to be blessed. I don't know about you, but I want to make it out of here. And I know that the only way I can do that, only way you and I can do that, is to hear his voice. Because if we hear his voice, then we shall live. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God that continues to flow. God is speaking. God is speaking. Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Lift your hands. Television and tenderness to the sky. And feel after the Spirit. Incline your ear. I said, Lord, would you speak to me? Help me, Lord, to drown out all the other noise and to focus in on you, my heavenly Father. Oh, Lord, I want to hear your voice. Help me, Lord, and I shall live. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah.